The heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The masculine journey starts here now. Boy, do we have a show. I am ready to sink my teeth into today because we have such a cast of characters here to to describe this story, so to speak. We have Vinny with us and Al and, and Sam but we're going to get into something that really was a huge eye-opener for me at my first boot camp. In fact, when I heard this said, and it was out of John Eldridge's books, that do you ever feel like life was a movie that you walked into, you know, 30 minutes into it, and you're wondering what's going on? And that that's a big part of what I saw at the first boot camp, right, Sam? It is. You know, it's, it's okay, what's going on? I mean, it, honestly, that describes lots of days in some ways if we don't have the context of what's really going on in, in the rest of the story. And so, as, as, as we say in the opening, that Jesus speaks of gates and things like that, but those gates have context because of where they are in your story or my story. And as you've listened to The Masculine Journey, we hope many times, but maybe this is your first time, you'll note that we use movie clips. And the reason that we do that is to try to give us some context of the story that it's interesting Hollywood often, right, Sam, they give us an idea of his story through their movies. That's one of my favorite things to do is we look for clips. I know Al is a huge Christian movie fan and, and I love to find secular movie clips. Is that a weight joke? No. Okay. No. Uh, Secular movie clips that his story is being told anyway, maybe not the whole movie, but there's some of these things in those favorite movies that you like. When you watch them, there's that one part that really speaks to you. And maybe that's God trying to remind you of something. Right. And so often when it comes to story, there's a character that we may relate to. There may be somebody that we can identify with. But often we're trying to determine what is the story. And so we're going to start off with such a clip. It comes from the movie what, Al? Amistad. See, he can say that right because, I don't know, you just have it. I, there's something about pronouncing words since I was a kid. And this is a phenomenal movie. It, it, it's a little graphic in places, so I would warn you about that. But And it's a true story. It, it is a true story, and it's a phenomenal story. Last time we used a clip, I went right home and watched it. <laughs> and I so was, did I. I was like, wow, what a sage John Quincy Adams was. And we get to hear a little of that wisdom from John Quincy as it has to do a story in this clip as he was – being trying to you know the these slaves had had mutinied on this ship and ended up taking over the ship they ended up being captured and now it was a big court battle over whose property they were and some of the abolitionists at the time had gone to john quincy adams trying to get him to come in on their side so they went to the sage and here's the discussion what is their story why they're um From West Africa? No. What is their story? Uh. 
Mrs. Jolson, you're from where originally? Georgia, sir. Georgia? Yes, sir. Does that pretty much sum up what you are, a Georgian? Is that your story? No. You're an ex-slave who's devoted his life to the abolition of slavery and overcoming great obstacles and hardships along the way, I should imagine. That's your story, isn't it? <laughs> you and this young so-called lawyer have proven you know what they are. They're Africans. Congratulations. What you don't know, and as far as I can tell, haven't bothered in the least to discover, is who they are. Sam, that speaks to something so huge. It's almost phenomenal. It is. You know, the question that we always wonder is, who am I? Right? But if you don't have the context of the story, you don't really get to know what's going on. Think about any time you've had something go wrong. Even if you order a burger and it comes out wrong, you want to tell the waitress the story. I mean, there's these stories that we always have to tell because that's the way people really understand context. And so what John Quincy Adams is saying here, what's the context of their story? What's really going on in their life? Who are these people? They're not the sum total of this one event or this thing that's happened to them, but who are these people in the totality of the story and in the midst of God's story? There's, uh, in an earlier part of that same clip, um, the abolitionist is trying to lure John Quincy Adams to their side. And he said, you know, you're, um, what's made you such a good lawyer? And he goes, well, I found that whoever wins is the one that tells the best story. And that's the truth. That's what... You know, if you look at your life, you know, what's your best story? What's, what's the best you can do with your life? If you don't understand the bigger story, you really don't know your role in that story. You're never going to live your life to the fullest. Okay. So you guys, we've been talking about this bigger story. What is it? How do you define that bigger story? What do you do with it? How well, do you find the context of it? Robbie said it best that history is his story. I'll give it to you, Robbie. <laughs> well, there you go, Robbie. He set you up pretty well with that, I did. right? That was a sinker ball, by the way. Well, there's so much there that is <laughs> that, that is the masculine journey to some extent is to delve into God's story mm-hmm. from the beginning. And, and of course, we, we teach this in boot camps, Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3, and we're gonna, we've done shows on that. We're going to do some more in the past. But the idea behind this show was to say, okay, what is the importance of understanding that there is a story involved and that, that, that I have some role in that story and where, where is it that I come in? And, and spoiler alert on that movie, by the way, if you were to watch that movie after John Quincy tells him that, they go find out that, that this guy's, these African story is horrific. What they've been through is right. unbelievable. And they get an interpreter to actually go in front of the court and share that story of how these people have been mistreated and murdered and and all the things that went on board the ship before the mutiny. And the whole scene, I mean, you know, what happened in the court led to, you know, the next clip coming up, which is a big part of why we're talking story today. And this one's called Give Us Free. And I'll set that up. 
Well, and I love this part of it. There's um, a trial. There's a man on um, in the witness box, and the prosecutor, not or prosecutor, the the plaintiff is uh, asking him about the load and why the displacement of the ship changed. And part of that was because they threw people overboard, part, partly because people died and they threw them over, partly because um, some of the materials on the ship were thrown overboard. But they're getting into this big thing of loss of property. And in the midst of it, this man who speaks no English from a faraway country who has an important role to humanize the story. And I, I don't want to spoil any more of it but what strikes me is here's this man he's he's trying to get his bearings trying to make a statement in a in a a trial he doesn't understand in a world he doesn't understand in a language he doesn't speak it's simple ghastly arithmetic well for you perhaps i may need a quill and parchment and a better imagination and what poundage do you imagine the entry may refer to, sir? A mast and sails, perhaps? It is us free. Give us free. Give us us free. Your Honor, please instruct the defendant that he cannot disrupt these proceedings with such a... Give us us free! If we are to have any semblance of order in this court, Your Honor... Give us us free! Give us us free! Crying out, give us free, or anything else... Give us us free! I am trying to question this witness! Give us us free! So, Sam, kicking that question back to you that you ask, <laughs> there's some significance right there, right? Absolutely. They're talking about details and smaller story, and in these three words that become four words, he sets the context of the bigger story. Yeah, there's a lot going on here, but these are people that are enslaved. Right. That's the real story. That's the bigger story. There's people that need freedom. And you're talking about math equations. And he, he says that with very little, but it becomes very clear what that larger story is. When you uh, can give us some insight from the, <coughs> what, 1918? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> from the 30s and 40s. <laughs> that. Is almost every I, almost everybody that you grew up with came out of that kind of oh definitely slavery oh yeah my mom and pop <laughs> and, yeah. and explain a little bit you know of how that what that felt like you know as you walked the streets with these people who had been give us us free well I grew up in New York and in in the streets and if you've seen the movie Godfather or the streets of Brooklyn you really know my life. And the streets were teeming at nighttime with children, uh, having fun. But when we went upstairs, we were reprimanded because we were talking to an Irish guy or a German guy or a Polish guy 
and we were Italian. That was taboo. But yet they would help each other because they all came from the same oppression country, whether they were in Germany, Italy. And they learned, as the last clip said, or was it this clip, freedom. And the freedom was to observe and try and teach their children to be free. And uh, how could you do we that? have so much more story coming from up for you today on the Masculine Journey. That's okay. Yeah, we're going to get to it, Vinny. All right. It's uh, all coming on the Masculine Journey. Go to MasculineJourneyRadio.com. Find us on Facebook. Listen to past shows. It's all there. MasculineJourneyRadio.com. Stay tuned. A lot more coming up. I'm Tim McGraw, and I have a challenge for you. Nearly 30 million Americans have diabetes. Most have type 2 diabetes. I've seen firsthand how it impacts people from all walks of life. It's affected my family, friends, and fans. If you have diabetes, take the challenge to get your blood sugar under control. Pledge to work with your doctor to set and reach your own A1C goal. I'm a strong believer in making healthy choices. So join me now at americasdiabeteschallenge.com. Nice turn, Jill. Thanks. By the way, Dad, have you ever smoked marijuana? It's getting legalized everywhere, so it's okay to do now, right? It's not legal everywhere, and it's not legal for teens at all. It can cause permanent damage to teens' developing brains, and it often leads to other drugs. This conversation can happen anywhere, and your kids need to know the facts. 76% of teens agree that with legalization, teens may be more likely to experiment with marijuana. Now's the time to talk to your kids about substance use. Learn more at rosecrans.org. If I told you my story, you would hear a victory over the enemy. Do you wake up some mornings wondering, did I walk into this movie 15 minutes late? What exactly is going on and what does it that I have to do with this current situation at work that has any difference in the kingdom of God? If you share with me in that confusion at times. Maybe you should listen to the rest of the show because we're hoping to kind of walk through that and, and get some guys who've been through a lot of years of that. And in Vinny's case, over 100. Uh, <laughs> yeah, close. But yes, as you were growing up, it, here's the situation. You're playing with a little uh, Irish kid, which, by the way, you're playing with a big Irish kid. Yeah, now. I remember his name, Tim Regan. All right, Tim Regan. And so your mom saw you playing with Tim Regan. What happened? I went upstairs and I got a spanking. I got reprimanded, and I couldn't figure out why. And then because come, I knew. Then come Sunday, where were the Reagans? Sitting right next to us, in front of us in church, and everything was cool. Everybody saying hello and. And your mom even treated them right. That's exactly right. So the that's the big story, I guess. Uh, you had a little confusion going on. You felt like, where did I walk into this place? Right. And how does that exactly add up into where right. I, I, how I'm supposed to line up? But then, you know, obviously, you saw what happened in the greatest generation. Or, or explain what you, Frank Gifford's book, or as you were describing a minute ago. Tom, Tom Brokaw. Broke off Gifford. They're all the same. <laughs> nah. They're all from the older grave. Yeah, well, that's true. I'm from there, too, Robbie. But any, in any case, it was a bunch of people that, like I said before, came from Europe, which they all were in oppressed 
and come over here, and they knew no other way of living but being oppressed by the cops, by the mayors, by, you know, it was the same thing until they started to fight for themselves. And uh, let me tell you, I mean, it, it got hairy and bloody, but through it all, through the week of that type of living, every church was jammed full of people that were trying to kill each other. Not literally kill, but, you know, and I couldn't understand that. I could not understand that. It took me a while. Vinny, I wanted to ask you, what happened when uh, war broke out? What happened with that same group of people that couldn't get along? Oh, my goodness, Sam. It was the most amazing thing, and I was there, and believe me what I tell you now. They all ran, well, you were drafted in them days. They all ran to join the service. 90% of them were to get away from their mother and father because they lived under their rule. So you had 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 16-year-olds. And there was a line in the induction center, I would say two miles. They had no idea where Germany was, where the Pacific was, but they were getting away from the oppression of the street and in their inner families. Uh, and that's what made the great generation. And so did the Italians fight next to the Irish and the Irish oh, next to the Polish? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, once you put that uniform on, there was a different, a different feeling than, I don't know, what I see on TV and what I hear them portraying the today's uh, uh, soldier. Right. And so interestingly, Sam, sometimes we think we're laying dormant in the story. We're not sure where our place is. We, you know, we see all this stuff going on. We don't necessarily see how it relates to what that has to do with me. And you got a clip for us just right along those lines. I, I do, but I'd like to add something before we go to that clip. And that's touching on what Vinny had said. Um, when God created us, he created us for fellowship in his pleasure, but he created us with different colors of skin, colors of hair, a different heights, put us in different countries. All the, all these things are a gift from God. They're sacred. And that's what I liked about Amistad was that, you know, they prove that God had a bigger plan that it wasn't, you know, slavery was not his intent. His intent was for fellowship and for freedom. And when we look at the bigger picture with world war II, and we talk about instead of fighting amongst each other, there's a fighting of good amongst evil. God brings people together. And not only from that, but one of the things that happened was Israel was created from World War II. And in the midst of 1948, when they were created, also the book of Isaiah was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which the, the most clear representation from that was that he was going to bring his people back home. So there is a bigger story, and we all have a part to play in it. But sometimes I feel like I don't have a significant role, or I'm just, it's not the right time yet. And this next clip is from um, you, me, and Dupree. And this is about a guy who has no real ambitions, and he's speaking to a group of kids. And he's talking about how, well, I'll I'll let um, Dupree speak from here. How are you? 
First of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to come talk to you on career day. Now, I am not Mr. Carl Peterson, and I don't have a career per se. I guess you could say my career is living and loving, and I do that to the utmost. I see all you fresh-faced kidlets sitting there in your neat little rows, and you're all just pods, pods waiting for your instructions. Now, some of you are going to get zapped right away and be 15-year-old prodigies, little midget Olympic gymnasts with their pictures on cereal boxes. Some of you will go on to college and you'll find your rhythm there and then go chase down the titans of industry or maybe straighten out our problems at the UN. But some of you, and this is the group that no one ever comes into career day and addresses, and it's criminal. Some of you are just going to float along, eating spicy foods, humming black people's music into your 30s, well into your 30s, languishing. This group of pods is going to do a lot of languishing. And you're going to take some heat for it. Sadly, you will. Europe's a little easier. They seem to understand a little better. So South America. I went to Argentina one time, but everyone just seemed to be sitting around. It was beautiful. But that's okay. You stay loose. Stay liquid. You laugh a lot. But be ready. That's what Dupree's doing with his life's little pod. Staying nimble. Until I get the call from the mothership. I resume to tot. Then I fight. Then you'll see Dupree coming in here throwing seven different kinds of smoke. That's fine. The pods that were supposed to hear this did. It'll kick in when it needs to. So, and I'm, I'm throwing this back to Robbie. You're a pod, and you think, I was created to sell cars. This is everything I was ever supposed to be. And then you find out it was all to bring you to be a point you're at now as the Christian car guy, not only sharing some expertise from your life, but more so reaching the hearts of people. Right. There's great encouragement in that particular story that, you know, you may be whatever that is, a Japanese bamboo plant, Sam, that sits there. <laughs> what? <laughs> You've heard of it. it. It doesn't grow but like two inches for 30 years, and then all of a sudden in one year it jumps up, you know, eight feet or whatever. I missed that book in fifth grade. I didn't get a chance to read it. it was it, Did it start out as a pod? <laughs> it does. And then all of a sudden, it just jumps up. But nonetheless, in, 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 it, I see this in so many people's cases that they, at some point in time, they engage God, and at some point in time, it's like they get the word. But go ahead, Tim. Well, I think the, a better one would be potatoes, right? Okay. <laughs> you, you see things, you don't really see anything going on, but yet, you dig it up and all this work's been going on underneath and there's this fruit or this thing that has been being designed the whole time that you had no idea it was there. Yeah, beneath the surface there were roots that were going deep and they were going fat. And being that I was from Idaho, I love a good potato analogy any day of the week. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this bud's for you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I like potatoes. There's no question about that. But I like the steak that's put next to it. <laughs> but Vinny, in your case, yeah, in your case, you saw that same kind of change that one day you got the call from the mothership. <laughs> yeah, I did. And it was a different kind of thing, right? Yes, it was. Actually, it was 
but I hate to keep repeating it. It was such a sad time in my life. But that's the time I believe God comes to you in reality. And he puts his hand upon you and says, okay, now, let's do it my way. You know. Uh, it was late in life, but uh, late in life for me is probably your age. But the context of your own story is critical to developing, you know, what God has for you, right, Sam? It is, and it's understanding that our story, in a lot of ways, are going to mirror the stories in the Bible. I mean, along the way, that we're going to be attacked by an enemy, but when we don't recognize that enemy's there, and we only throw that blame on ourselves or blame on God, we don't get to live in that larger story. We don't get to walk in that fellowship with him, fighting against the common enemy, and moving more into that place we need to be. And so understand the context that's a little bit beyond your walls will actually help you understand the context inside your walls. Yeah, one of the huge revelations that I had at a boot camp was that Satan looks across the horizon, and he's not all that upset at Robbie Dillmore necessarily, but he really cannot stand God. And so if he sees any part of God rising out of Robbie Dillmore, it's like whack-a-mole. He's coming over. He's going to begin to pop him. Well, by actually triangulating where it is that, that Satan has come up against my life helps me to, to see where God pops out of Robbie. What is it that's been constantly attacked? And by understanding that context of my own story, I can understand perhaps what God's glory is in me and realize that, oh, that's why Satan's trying to keep that down because he doesn't want this, this ongoing attack. And it's a big part of your story, Sam, is that you kept on hearing what when you were small? Oh, take, take your pick. <laughs> um, you know, it depends. That I, I, what you had to say wasn't... The, yeah, I had nothing important to say. And that was one of the things that really came loud and clear in my life from a, a sister. You know, she'd say, shut up, you got nothing important to say. And I struggled with feeling like I had anything important to say for years, and it took God to draw that out of me. And now anybody who's ever listened to Sam's talks or this show knows he has phenomenal things to say. Satan was trying to keep that down. What's he trying to keep down in your life? I can't urge you enough to go spend some time with God alone. Take your own covenant of silence. Spend an hour or two this week going, God, where have I been attacked? Might that be indexed of of where it is that I've got some glory here that you're trying to bring out of me? If you spend that time this week, mission accomplished, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.com for more of our, our shows, podcasts, how you can connect with our ministry. We'd love to hear from you.